0: only on PBS.
1: Hello, my name is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 9 of the No Encore podcast. I am joined today by Craig Fitzpatrick. Han what's up? Uh, is this a thing now? You're going to have a new nickname for me every week?
3: Yeah, actually they're not my words, they're the words of Sean Conroy who's loving that, so that's going to keep going, yeah. Do it again? Um, Han Yolo. Okay. Uh a suggestion. Do it's you want to been... mark it out of five? It wasn't top of my list. Two and a half? Shout out to Sean. Shout He's out to Sean. He's good at photographs and stuff. He's very good at photographs. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the part of Cullamoregan will be played today by Dean Van Nguyen. Hello. Uh, we'll f- be expecting Northern Irish accents and kind of... There's a whole thing you ha- have to do.
2: You realise this, yeah? Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> maybe... <laughs> for, yeah, it's lack of... Uh, like of all-island representation thing. Yeah. We're all from Dublin, aren't we? We're all from... Well, I'm,
1: from I'm from Drogheda. Yeah, um, uh, the Drog. But I sound like I'm from Dublin, so Infamously, it's fine.
3: Infamously, I'm from Leak's Up, kind of. Infamously. Blowing. Yeah. <laughs> the wars of the lip.
1: Um, um, but yeah, more or less. Dean, by the <laughs> way, coast. for uh, for the uninitiated, Dean is a journalist with many envious bylines for the likes of Pitchfork, Consequences and the Irish Times. He's also written for Headstuff, because, you know, uh, we're cool. Um, NME, I I could go on, but I won't.
3: Please don't. Is <laughs> that where the list ends? Is that why you don't? No, 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 no. Uh, I,
1: I, I, I was looking up, a, I'm putting together a new portfolio of some boring talk now everyone can enjoy. And I was looking at Dean's to, for inspiration. And I was just, the more I read it, I was like, oh, fucking, less and less inspired. It's written for everybody, man. <laughs> it's, it's upsetting. Dean's very good at being a journalist, everybody. He is. And that's he's what he was. words. We needed someone to replace Cullum who was off on a jaunt. He's in Norway at the moment. And he's been sending us
3: some photographs, Craig. He has from his local, well, I guess his now local football club, who are Division Two in Norway. What's uh, the name of them again? Usana. Usana. I mean, he was very excited that they finally got merchandise that he could purchase. I think he put a request in when you said last time because they didn't have any. That's true. So it was mall- as a
1: matter the- of fact, the chairman of the club met him today and opened up, the, <laughs> opened up the club shop so he could get a hat and a scarf. He sent us a photograph of him in a hat and a scarf and he looks like he's absolutely loving life.
3: He looks like he's just signed and he's staying there for the next five years. By the time like.
1: this podcast comes out, though, he'll be back in the press office and he won't be loving life. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> Every day's a joy in the opera office. Come on, what are you saying? And the picture was taken
2: on the pitch as well, wasn't
3: it? it just beside the pitch, yeah. Yeah, it looked very kind of 90s sign. It? It was, it was good. <laughs> he's wearing, but he's wearing like jeans and a T-shirt. So
1: I kind of feel like if he was like son, like 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 it, it should be a bit more extravagant than that. Yeah,
3: maybe full suit. Um, oh well, next time. So yeah, how have we all been? You've been sick. Good. Yeah. I've been sick. Yeah, I've been laid up with a stomach bug, but feeling better now. All the better to see you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a torturous few days, but what can you do? Did you marathon some terrible television during this? Not really, no. It was one of those ones where you're just like staring into space in bed. So I didn't really get up to a whole lot, just in recuperation. Um, No, so there was no real binge watching. I I didn't even watch Game of Thrones on Monday, which is my go to thing. That's how sick I was. Yeah. I had to wait till Wednesday. You didn't miss much, so.
2: It was okay. It was a good app when I finally caught up and uh, Dean's had some tragedy as well already yeah well, we covered this pre-recording pre <laughs> so uh, I think we've already covered one football related topic today fresh from <laughs> Liverpool's Europa League demise well, oh of course our as topologist. I say by the time this
1: podcast comes out Craig and our United fans I'm sure will be joining you when Crystal Palace when Wilfred Zaha pops up with an 87 minute winner yeah, on Saturday written in the stars
2: Connor, Connor Wickham, and off, off his arse in the last minute. I think. <laughs> yeah, it'll definitely happen.
1: But um, yeah, so Craig and I last weekend we went to a gig because like, we we were saying that we haven't gone to gigs in a while, and we went to see Red Enemy. Yeah, it was getting a bit
3: embarrassing. Uh,
1: previous guests of the podcast, Red Enemy, they tore the Workman's Club apart.
3: They were great. Yeah, it was the closest I've come to moshing since oh, I was about twelve or thirteen at a terrible band called Nectar were kind of good at the time they covered mainly Nirvana but they had their own tunes and they had a kind of Tennessee twin guitar style attack and I went mental The sense terrible then I stopped yeah I hung up my chain and my oversized jeans
1: and,
0: and that wallet. was it. yeah your wallet chain <laughs>
1: um, I, thought they were, I thought Red Enemy were a lot of fun there was a guy in the front row who did cartwheels in the mosh pit at one point that was a new one for me yeah
3: yeah. it was a really good Reckless game. Reckless uh, yeah, I would say health and safety just out the window. And, uh,
1: it should be said that uh, Kev Letford, Kev Lefty Letford, who's the front man of that band, you know, you kind of you kind of take it for granted, but when he's in front of a microphone, yeah, he can uh, he can really make it happen. He's quite the show, man. He didn't get injured. Which I was quite disappointed about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your sadomasochistic side, <laughs> yeah. to want to see your friends get horribly maimed at gigs, wasn't Other than that,
3: though. Five stars. Um, um,
1: I went to see a film that day. I went to see a film called Green Room, which is about a punk band that find themselves playing at a very raucous show, and then something horrible happens, and they find themselves
3: fighting for their lives. Yeah. So to go from that to Red Enemy Gate kind of felt very meta. I mean, music, film, kind of not really. It's just kind of the background of it, is it? It's There's <laughs> lots of music in the film. Okay. Um, right. They do a Dead Kennedys cover. Okay, cool. So Um, fuck you, yeah? Patrick Stewart in it. I did watch the trailer. It looked kind of better than the premise suggested. Don't watch Uh, the trailer.
1: Go see the movie. Patrick Stewart is in it. He plays a neo-Nazi and does an all right job. I think getting a bit too much kind of... So now I've seen the trailer, I can't see the movie. Is that how it works? No, you can go, but you should feel bad about it. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. You should buy like two rounds of popcorn for... (laughs) Rounds of popcorn? I don't know. Have you seen any good... (laughs) Another round, sir. Have you seen any good music movies lately, Dean? Music What's movies? the best music movie or music related movie that you've ever seen? Documentary, even.
2: Oh well, uh, if if we're gonna go with the one that just popped into my head, which is absolutely the best, I'd have to say "Save the Last Dance." Oh, Whoa,
3: Julia Styles, seminal. Stiles. seminal. Uh,
2: Julia Styles, yeah. Sean, uh, Sean Sean Patrick Thomas. Thomas, yeah, that's it. Had a, I think uh, about a thirty-year-old Fredro Starr <laughs> playing playing uh, a high school student, um, Fredro Starr from the the rap group Onyx, of course, um, who also you know I think he made his. Uh, his acting bones in Moesha as her from the wrong side of the track's boyfriend, Q.
3: Well, yeah. Um,
2: That's the kind of name
1: that you would have if you're from the wrong side of the track. Q. Q. Yeah, just one letter. If anyone's listened to this podcast named Q, <laughs> I, I assume that you're from the wrong side of the track. That,
2: uh, that soundtrack was, was was serious, though. It had uh, Montel Jordan. Pharaoh um, Munch had a song on that soundtrack. Yeah. I think Moesha
3: was kind of, you know, launched a lot of amazing R&B superstars, didn't it? Really? In its own way? Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) I was being ironic. (laughs) Uh,
2: With, you know, Brandy and Ray J, who of course had a a, a huge hit with that Phil Collins cover.
3: Apparently Brandy is quite good as a vocalist, though, in terms of... Hey, the boy is mine. Yeah, yeah, she had some songs. That's a belter. I I remember John Frusciante in one, like interview one time going he was really into brandy's vocal stylings because it reminded him of what Jimi hendrix used to do on the guitar is this when he was it was and mine had, on, on smack no, Was no this was <laughs> when he was clean and he had a chalkboard in his like malibu home or sorry his californian home and he was just kind of like drawing all things just going okay here's the bit where her inflection you know matches with jimmy's guitar and it was so apparently she's talented i don't know john Vashante might not enough. I kind of feel like you know. <laughs> that was a uh,
1: I kind of feel like you know, like we we've mo- we've unfortunately moved away from an era where films like that did have killer soundtracks and also had like you know, like it was like an event thing. You know, like you'd have music videos that would have scenes from the yeah. film in them. That
3: that whole thing is gone.
2: Yeah, you know, Seal on 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 Space Jam. You don't get songs like that for films anymore know.
3: you, don't, no, you I got think justin timberlake which we talked about last week let's right, not so. talk about yeah. him again not great mm-hmm. not but not even, a and even
2: that's just, just that's just a song though when was the last kind of like full fully functioning soundtrack made for a film i'm i remember i had the bad boys 2 soundtrack which was all bad boy records um uh, mm. in an ingenious cross-marketing tool yeah uh, um, i remember
1: uh, that film judgment night with Emily westvez dennis leary Cuba Jr., that had an amazing kind of hip-hop slash rock soundtrack. Um, Gross Point Blank has an amazing soundtrack curated by Joe Strummer. Um, Somebody actually asked us on Twitter recently. They were saying, like, what what was the last great soundtrack, like, composed for the movie or, like, not not a score. And their pick was Eddie Vedder's Into the Wild. Um, Okay, I haven't heard it. Very good. Yeah, but it's, it's also, it's what you think it would be.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: But it does seem to be like, yeah, that kind of idea of a, sound, of a soundtrack not just complimenting a movie, but also being
3: a proper companion piece. It seems like those days are sadly gone. Yeah, I mean, Tarantino used to be great. That he's moved a bit away from it. A little bit. Yeah. Wish. yeah.
2: But that was even, he was picking songs from the archives. Yeah, he wasn't calling on people yeah, to. I, I think, I, he, I think the kind of flip side then is you get like Tim Burton being told you have to put these print songs into Batman because <laughs> this is on Warner Brothers, he's on Warner Brothers. And yeah, uh, yeah, it yeah. kind of, you know, being a uh, a, b- a beautiful mesh that uh, that really shouldn't go and kind of doesn't go, but. It's still glorious in the way yeah. it works.
3: I guess most of those films now are more indie type things that are usually Irish and like feel good coming of age. Like you get a lot of that of late, the likes of Sing Street and Once, where you do have, yeah, is, is kind of integral to the films, but wouldn't really be up my street.
1: Sing Street actually bombed in the States. I, I was reading this week, like uh, a lot of critics were very upset to see that it didn't pull in the money, but it is a very niche film, very, yeah. very indie. I think it was a Harvey Weinstein actually picked it up for distribution, but what can you do? Um, On the notion of kind of, I guess, artists kind of scoring things, uh, previous guest of the podcast also, Bantam, Rory Lynch, he won Best Original Score for the short film Little Bear at this year's Top Shorts Festival. So, well done, Rory. Excellent. Lovely guy uh, and makes great music. Well deserved. Well, well deserved. Uh, delighted for him absolutely delighted for him um and other people we've had in the podcast before like, there's a pattern here guys come on the podcast and good things will yeah, happen King to you makers. we yeah. are kingmakers. uh overhead the albatross who of course have released their debut album learning to growl to much critical acclaim uh announced their biggest show to date at vicar street uh in december so congratulations for them. me
3: because i still haven't seen them this year so you were literally turned away from the gig yeah, last time. yeah so um it was too busy um So yeah, very much looking forward to that Even though it's a long way away They're now a band that just kind of announces gigs months in advance Because they have to do that
1: Remember, uh, we were in the Workman's Club after the Red Enemy show And like Vinnie Casey wouldn't talk to us
3: uh, no, no. Craven,
1: gutless. Typical.
3: That kind of guy. Typical. We were like, yo Vinny! And yeah, it, it, it didn't work out. But nice to see yeah, them being on the podcast is really working out for them. And it wouldn't happen without <laughs> it. There's no way that they get to play Vickers. Street. No, Aiken not, Promotions not wouldn't w- w- wouldn't yeah. come near them. Dean is primed and ready for his like Joe.ie writing credit now. It's all going to happen for you, Dean. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> yeah, we're really going to add to that portfolio. Yeah. Uh, we'll move into news, shall we?
1: This week's news. Let's. Uh, we'll start off with some tragic news. Uh, my heart got broken in twain, in pieces. Uh, it was There was a lot of cryptic kind of talk about Rage Against the Machine. Um, posters had appeared uh, in Los Angeles. A website called ProfitsOfRage.com launched as well with the hashtag take the power back and a ticking countdown to the 31st of May. The site was accompanied by posters, as I said, and uh, saying, clear the way for the profits of Rage. The party's over, summer 2016. Excitable fans like me thought finally we're finally going to get a new Rage against the machine record
3: yeah well that was very much jumping to conclusions wasn't it i mean don't take this away from me <laughs> it's <laughs> already been taken away from don't me. take it away from me again <laughs> um but yeah okay so what are we talking about 16 years since the last record Actually, renegades in 2017 se- yeah. since i mean that was just covers. so since we got original material we're talking 1999 nothing this century um and yeah, but they have kind of played sporadically since then, haven't they? So it yeah. seemed like if this was definitely them, it might have just been shows in the US. So I don't I, ne- I didn't really have my hopes up too high. Um and just as well, really.
1: Yeah, because um as The Guardian put it, roll-up for the latest assembly of slightly fading music stars taking the stage together under the guise of it being a quote unquote supergroup. Public Enemies Chuck D, Cypress Hills Be Real, and Oliver Racing Against the Machine minus Zach la Rocco, of course. Have reportedly come together as a new band that will be playing in the states. So uh, any enthusiasm I have for this project is dead in the water.
3: Okay. Yeah, as uh, as I saw Joe Panama, friend of the show, um, just talking overhead him, the albatross is Joe Panama. Yeah, yeah. at least Audio Slave finally got rid of Chris Cornell. So that's
2: one thing, yeah. Boom yeah. Boom. Um, so this is
3: just live. I think
1: so because and they're going to just cover their own songs essentially. Yeah. Uh,
2: because I was you know sonically I could see those three people being cohesive enough to make music together I was but thinking that, yeah. I don't see the point in, in uh, except that it might sell more tickets they feel than each performing individually um yeah so of the point of doing this so it's a little, it's a little it's it's, it's like that uh, that show you know that they, they they get old pop stars and they put them back on stage and they make a reality TV show of yeah, it. I think that they put a, a super group together and it was like uh, G- uh, Gareth Gates, Dane Bowers, um, <laughs> Kat Kavanaugh, Kat um, and a couple of other lads. Oh, you're one of the, the blazing squad who's gotten <laughs> like ridiculously into physical fitness. and uh, close
3: to the Beatles
2: getting back together as you'll ever get. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, oh, oh uh, Dane Bowers and Gareth Gates in the same thing. <laughs> this yeah. is the same but my point being that they <laughs> that only extent. performed uh they a <laughs> th-
3: massive fight over Jordan or whoever <laughs> it was yeah. Jordan wasn't it wasn't Jordan yeah. yeah Katie Price she's the also she has
1: still a real name 15 years ago. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> do you still read those same you kept the papers,
1: yeah. you read them every day.
2: Yeah I do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they only performed their own songs. They didn't perform anything original. So So it's an
1: art project is what you're saying.
2: It was yeah if you if you enjoyed you know listening to a Place Squad song with uh with Dane Bowers doing backing vocals. And that would then that was your go to. Jesus
1: Christ. There was also a show uh called Supergroup, I think, on, on MTV and it was Sebastian Back was the lead singer. Oh yeah. Scotty Ian hilarious Scottie from that. Anthrax was in there. Yeah. I think Evan uh Evan Seinfeld from Biohazard, who now does porn, I yeah. believe. Jason Bonham, who has a career <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I was on it. You know and what was their band called? Oh, okay. This was hilarious. They had a dollar bill yeah. as they as they as they like their yeah, logo. I remember there was in a in whole episode bill.
1: about them picking the band name and having massive fights about it. Yeah, and they went with democracy. Democracy.
3: Democracy. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian Back, to the
1: man. Sebastian Bach's a fucking idiot. Uh, I remember him on one of those countdown in the best shows. way possible. though. He's great value, but he's, he's not singing. He's really annoying though. Um, I remember one of those countdown shows on like MTV or something, and it was, they, like they got to like uh, Cherry Pie by Warren or something, and. Sebastian Bach was there. He's like, Yeah, you know, like these are the songs that are going to last forever. I mean, like, you know, like I remember like people like Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails were kind of giving out about this whole hair metal thing. And he's like, Yo, Trent.
3: Rock One? Yeah. What the right. fuck are you talking about? Trent an Oscar winning, like... <laughs> he also said when, you know, he was, he was listing bands they'd been in before and he kind of, he said Led Zeppelin, even though that's tenuous. But he was like, you know, bands like Led Zeppelin, Skid Row. These are names that just come along once in a lifetime. Meanwhile, there was an Irish band called Skid Row before his Skid Row. That's correct. And he didn't come up with that name either. Like, <laughs> he just joined that band later. Um. So, yeah, hilarious democracy. But the album turned out to be a masterpiece. A masterpiece, you no, say? I don't know. If, I don't know. If they made I, I'd, I'd be shocked if
1: they, if they actually made it to the studio. Yeah. But um, yeah, so if this project comes over, yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't say I wouldn't go and see it, but like, I mean, we've talked about this before. What more does Zach Dallarockan need? Like, for a band that were so informed by the world around them and the ills of the world around them, another Rage Album to me makes so much sense, but it I guess does, not, yeah. not to Zach Tiller-Oka. and Without him, there's no point. So.
3: Yeah, when you think of what's happened since, say, 1999, that he could easily comment on if he wishes to do so, but he clearly doesn't. And a strange character, I mean, I don't know much about the man, I just know his music, but I know nothing nothing very reclusive. I know and nothing about him, and I'm, I'm, put I'm very little perfectly okay so. for that to be the case. Yeah. I mean,
1: like, give the man his privacy, but like, then he pops up on fucking Run the Jewels, uh, and you're like, oh my god, he's still got it.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, these three guys, they don't make Jay-Z money, so... More power to them. I probably would go see that show if it came over. Yeah,
3: yeah, good luck to them. Uh, But on the posters, did you see it says, with the tagline is, the party's over. I'm just like, that's not great for a live gig, is it? The party's (laughs) over, we're here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, best of luck to them. And yeah, it could work actually vocally with that sound. It's worked before, so yeah.
1: Uh, Run the Jewels, Close Your Eyes and Count to Fuck is the kind of song I can listen to on repeat. I have listened to on repeat before for a solid hour. There are certain songs out there that I wouldn't want to hear on repeat like this one. So, yeah, that was a Wagon Wheel by Nathan Carter. Uh, something of a phenomenon of a sales record. It appears to be in the charts, constantly in the Irish charts. And yeah. it led to a bit of disharmony for, it, it for one
3: gentleman in particular. No accounting for taste. And, yeah, this attack victim has spoken of the terror experienced by him and his pregnant fiancé when this neighbour smashed windows in their home um, because they, he'd they'd been playing the music of Nathan Carter just on repeat. So this guy in his 20s, Jason Kane, Big fan, obviously, up in Coleraine of um, Nathan Carter. Um, So basically, he said, you know, it sounds funny, but it was nothing but because he was terrorised by this neighbour who just lost his mind, apparently. Stephen Layton, 53, uh, given a suspended prison term um, after he was driven into this rage. And he came down and said, basically, I don't know, he described it as some sort of psychological torture listening to this song. (laughs) (laughs) He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Well, he did was wrong. Um, but he's not wrong in his description of what was plaguing well, him. Poor Jason says, I was playing with stereo in my bedroom, including Nathan's hit Wagon Wheel and, <laughs> and other tunes. I'm his biggest fan. Stephen came to my door and said, If I hear Wagon Wheel one more time, I will smash that stereo. <laughs> Broke the windows that night, uh, but it's fireproof glass. So I got mean, okay, grand. So he used um, what? Like he used a cartoon sledgehammer He was or drunk, apparently. Um, the girlfriend was terrified and yeah, uh, went to court. But. I mean, God, I can see why anyone would be driven to that, really. I mean, you wouldn't act on it, but I can understand those feelings. Imagine hearing <laughs> that song on loop for an hour. Yeah.
2: Well, I, they were playing multiple different, whereas with just the one... Well, he claims it this was... This is what he claims.
1: He claims it was a whole album, no, but to let me, the court decide, yeah. they <laughs> have, so...
2: Okay, because uh, I do remember uh, 10 years ago, uh, a similar case when, I don't think there was an assault, but a, a, a neighbour was apparently playing Crazy by Niles Barkley on repeat. All day, oh, um, which is, you know, I'm sure, if, if they were playing an album or twelve <coughs> tracks, probably doesn't equate to one crazy, uh, which is a really good song, but uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe we need, uh, we maybe we need some legislation on, on how many times you <laughs> can the yeah, same song. The repeats. I mean,
3: um, I think they were trying to bring some of that in in terms of busking. You couldn't just play Oasis songs. I think that was incorporated in the kind of, you know. Decibel Greater level, Manchester area about, Yeah you had to have A certain kind of Repertoire of stuff That you couldn't Just be banging out stuff Especially around Temple Bar well, Where we there's
2: residents uh, Oh we need to bring that it, If that doesn't exist I I just walked past The uh, Fitzsimons The other day And uh, Was it Key West? Yeah they were playing Wonderwall Was, it I, key, was it? I, I thought the uh, You know you, you get uh, <laughs> You get jokes on Online about You know the Here's Wonderwall jokes I thought that ended All this but no No no, no.
3: But even Nathan Carter Said I can imagine It would be annoying Over a certain amount Of time um, but then he offered this guy tickets yeah. to his show. Don't reward him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, hang on. I thought he offered the, the, the guy who was
1: victimized tickets to the show.
3: Yeah, but don't reward him for playing Nathan Oh, Carter, right, sorry. I, my, I, my I, I thought that. you meant
1: that he offered tickets to the no, assailants.
3: Been str- that would have been a weird kind of baiting thing, wouldn't it? Well, this is like, the thing. I mean, like, here you go, mate. Come to the live gig. Nathan Carter, in the same breath, kind of turns
1: into a bit of a pro wrestling heel, where he says, I'm sure there's an awful lot of people out there that don't like it, but fortunately enough, there's enough people that do, and they're the ones that I'm worried about. Obviously, it's a serious matter, but I couldn't help but laugh when I saw the story. Um, and then he said, the incident won't put him off singing the song which he released in 2012 in future. He said, he'll be singing it for a long time to come.
2: Oh, God. Well, that's, those those quotes are one of the best things I've ever, I think he's ever done. <laughs> well,
1: you say that, but he's also previously said, when I walk into a pub, there's instant chaos. So apparently, he's the fucking Joker or something. We've all been there, haven't we? Oh, um, well, yeah. a uh, Whirling Dervish. Oh, my God. It's Nathan Carter. Um. Yeah. Uh, safe to say that that's elevator from hell music for for definite.
3: But uh, a shame that someone you know almost did a fucking home invasion over it. Of course. Yeah. Not <laughs> work going that far. But it is, I mean, this guy in his twenties, Nathan Carter, young guy. It's just not a good thing for millennials, is it? Just. He's twenty-four. That shocks me. Yeah. I would have assumed like fifty-four minimum. Nah. Well, he's I, part of the new wave of you know
1: of middle of the road, easy listening, yeah, toe-tapping yeah. music. Millennials. I'll tell you. Yeah. Jesus Christ well there's other bad music out there like this from Nickelback That was She Keeps Me Up by Nickelback. Arguably the worst song of all time. Uh, but I do say that a lot. So
3: there are a lot of contenders. Uh, Craig, why are we talking about Nickelback this week? Because Avril Lavigne has come to her defence. Um, I mean, she's left Chad. She can just let it go at this point. Apparently not. She need to kind of keep protest- protesting her innocence or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it was E! Weekly that basically said, what was it, something that they compared Nickelback to something else and said, well, Nickelback is still worse. And she kind of lost it on Twitter. She said, you know, enough is enough. Um, you can't live a positive life with a negative mind. Um, and she started listing Nickelback's achievements, which are stunning: seven, seventeen number one hit singles. <laughs> that can't be right, can it? There's a lot of countries out there. There are. That's true. Yeah, it could be a technicality. Uh, over 50 million albums worldwide, which is terrifying. Should 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 I make a confession? You quite like all of their songs. No,
1: <laughs> no. But during a very dark period oh, of my life. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would buy records uh, in the local record shop in Drogheda. I'd spend my hard-earned cash from my retail job. And this is before YouTube and all that kind of stuff. So you're kind of like reading Kerrang! magazine if you're me. And you're like hearing the odd thing here and there. And I may have bought Silver Side Up by Nickelback, which contained their breakthrough smash How You Remind Me. Yeah, I may have paid about 20 quid for that record. It was terrible and I regretted doing so. But I did contribute to uh, the coffers of Chad Kroger. Wow. That's I'll be leaving now. <laughs>
2: well, I'm with Avril on this one. Um, really? Yeah, I mean, look, okay, Nickelback are, are a terrible band, but it's, so are fucking Elbow and and U2. And, and there's, like, a ton of, of bad bands. And, but Nickelback, for some reason, are a just a lightning rod for people who... Feel the need to define their own taste in music as being really cool by using a a gay a, a a bad band as a gauge of how good the music they listen to is. Yeah. Um. You know, fifty million people bought Nickelback albums, or they sold fifty million albums. Yeah, and and people still enjoy listening to YouTube or Oasis covers in in Simon's Pub and Temple <laughs> Bar. Um. I don't know. I think people should just get off off. Get off their get pace. It, get they off have Nickelback. become like the catch-all.
3: Just like if you're talking about bad music, Nickelback is like the punchline of any kind of... Isn't it? It's just yeah. Nickelback is a it's a bit... A, it's fish in a barrel for sure. Yeah. I know. I mean, could you break down why there is such loading for that particular band? Because to me, they're kind of just like the extension of, say, Stained. Or Creed. Yeah, but just really watered down even further. I think Chad Kroger has a lot to do with it. He, he built yeah.
1: a very bad reputation for himself doing stuff like throwing fans out of gigs which weren't even Nickelback gigs i kind of like, like <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you do that? Again, back in my Kerrang! reading days, there was some kind of, I don't know, four bands playing in Canada or wherever it was. And somebody was heckling them in the crowd, which, you know, I don't agree with heckling. I think people who heckle are dickheads. Um, apart from one guy at an Animal Collective gig I was at in 2009 in Tripod where it was just lethargic for an hour and nothing was happening. Like I was like, this is gonna be the greatest gig ever. Like they just released Merryweather Post Pavilion, and it was just meandering non- nonsense. Like, and at one point, some guy shouted out, "Play something with a beat." Well, and I gotta say, he was right. It was so. Nothing, but you know, I. Dig- you
3: can't say you're against actors, though, and then condone that kind
1: of thing. I that that man was a champion, <laughs> okay. and they should have played some of the
3: fucking. <laughs> Did even, you organise him to be, him to be carried out on your shoulders? <laughs> they didn't, just they just didn't like, even yeah. play.
1: They didn't even play for Reverend Green. That's all I wanted to hear, and they didn't play it. Let it go. I'm not letting it go. Um, Seven years on, but the point is, apparently during this Nickelback gig, somebody was you know giving Kroger a lot of abuse, and he stopped the show, and he said, "Can we get rid of this guy? He's clearly not a Nickelback fan." And security, duly did, and escorted the gentleman from the building.
3: Wow! Well, at least the guy wasn't like picked up and then thrown back into the crowd. Like, was it Akon did that to some f- woman that got up on stage? He just like picked her up and body slammed her. Jesus! I think Acon did that. Yeah. Uh Well, he's he's done some questionable things. Yeah. I, I, I I've be- seen footage. We're grand. We're on a fine legal footing. <laughs> 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 There's a look of concern all around the table. There's <laughs> also a noise Akon next won't door. Be like. listening. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I think Chad Kroger is the the main reason, and yeah, I don't know he just seems like a fairly objectionable fellow. Uh, plus, they're the kind of, they got their name from him going like working in a coffee shop and saying, "Here's your Nickelback." Oh, really? That, wow.
3: Now that story's that's a good one. That's a great
2: that's one, a really isn't it? One, yeah. It's one for the books. Hey, she keeps me up is a great title. Do you think so? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Are you a secret Nickelback
1: fan? <laughs> uh, no, no. You, you, do, do you have Nickelblock downloaded for your Chrome extension? To remove all traces of Nickelback. Yeah,
2: that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had to sit down and write that, yeah.
3: Yeah, that it is a bit much. It's kind of get on with your life stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Well, someone who's getting on with his life is President Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue. Oh my God, yes, C- he very much is.
1: Cullen might not be here, but I can... Yeah, Link, that. link King. President Barack Obama, outgoing President Barack Obama, um, is kind of doing a bit of a farewell PR tour. Obviously, he had that big speech recently in which he did a literal mic drop and the internet went crazy. Yeah, uh, He's shown charisma at every turn, of course. He seems to be the people's president. and He's <laughs> not a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> he's the people's champion. Uh, he's done a couple of interesting things. Music-related this week, uh, one of which was he kind of shouted out of all things uh, the Scandinavian metal scene. Uh, he welcomed leaders from Nordic nations to the White House for a summit and state dinner. And during a speech delivered to leaders from Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Kulma, Regans, Norway, and Sweden, he praised the strengths and exports of each nation. While discussing Finland's virtues, he took a yeah. moment to praise one of the country's most famous musical exports. And he said, "I do want to point out that Finland has perhaps the most heavy metal bands in the world per capita, and also ranks high on good governance." I don't know if there's any correlation there. <laughs> yeah, he add. was
3: very much talking. We must, you know, about Finland's metal scene as opposed to the stuff that went on in the '90s and some of other those Oh yeah, other yeah. Countries. Sorry, he wasn't. He <laughs> wasn't advocating church burning <laughs> and murder or anything. Although, you know, Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that wasn't his
1: only foray into the world of music, was it, Greg?
3: No, um, he kind of teamed up with Macklemore on a song. My Go mate, mate <laughs> you think he's a great guy? seems like a nice guy. And it, yeah, this kind of actually justifies that quite a lot. Um, so, Macklemore was invited to the White House as well um, essentially to talk about drugs, the dangers of drugs. He spoke quite openly about his own problems with pre- prescription drugs how he's lost a friend to them before. Um, and yeah, Obama was very much in favour of it and you could kind of go, oh, more war and drug stuff. But I think it seemed like he was kind of tackling big pharma as well, which is an interesting tack to take, talk, talking about actual prescription drugs and the dangers because a lot of big companies in the US wouldn't really like that from a US president. But yeah, um, but Macklemore spoke very well about it. And he seems to be the kind of guy that is very earnest, genuine. Don't love his music. But yeah, he's got a good message to get out there to the kids. What's uh, your verdict on Macklemore, Dean?
2: I know. Oh, uh, <laughs> Both
3: as a person
1: and musically. <laughs>
2: yeah i I don't listen to Michael <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I, uh, I yeah I find
3: uh he exists you don't need an app to filter stuff out that w- reference to him but you're just never gonna search for him is that kind of basically
2: right yeah and uh I, yeah I, 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 apparently his his latest album has some um some some songs that the the buzzword seems to be problematic um uh, oh, really okay that, uh, I haven't listened to okay well,
1: I'm not aware of that Dave. I didn't write the record. <laughs> I didn't even listen to the record. I've heard the odd song. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a fucking champion for. Oh, Macklemore. That's, I,
2: you know, I was just about to say that <laughs> people seem to enjoy his uh, his show. And then, of course, but what I'm referencing is that it was you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that, <yeah. laughs> Once
1: again, head to Joe. and type yeah, in Macklemore, yeah. and you'll discover a great night that I had. While
3: several sheets to the wind, I should add. Yeah, um, but, but Macklemore um, problematic. Uh, Obama problematic Dr- <laughs> drone strikes. Um he's a great singer but drones as muse once sang. We won't get too political about it. But um I'm surprised that
1: Macklemore has escaped your radar Dean given that you kind of tend to cover all flavors of the hip hop community. Is Macklemore
2: regarded as a hip hop artist these days or is he more of a catch-all? No, he I mean he he raps. Um I he's he's not particularly good at rapping. I I think he's, he struggles to stay on beat sometimes. Um Yeah. I mean, is he Seattle's finest? Can we give him that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just can't think of any other Seattle rappers. So he might have the, you know, you might have the crown there. Um, you start, I thought he, you start he, he,
2: he he was very clever at marketing himself about four years ago when yeah. when he kind of came on the scene. Um, I think. Uh, he, he, what was that song he he, the one oh thrift store thrift shop yeah uh, thrift shop excuse me um, get it right, right, right. <laughs> it's important to not you know, with the majesty of Macklemore uh, you have to have these huh. details you were talking about uh, Justin Timberlake last week and obviously Justin around that time had um, suit and tie which I think was a black and white video and like these really kind of very stainless steel horns in that song it felt very pristine and high end and then kind of Macklemore comes with you know this Complete opposite of that, uh, celebrating, um, you know, vintage and mm-hmm. and celebrating. So, are you
3: saying it was kind of a Nirvana, <laughs> King of Pop, uh, Michael Jackson moment? Um, also, the, Seattle. I, I mean, will, Macklemore yes. is the new Nirvana.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will, take that point. That's and the end of the episode, guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. But, uh, no, to, to answer your question, I uh, yeah, no, I, I I've not. Any other reasons to professionally to listen to a Macklemore record? Nor have I chose to listen to one for pleasure, so <laughs> I'm afraid I don't have any uh, any any takes well, on that. Well, it, we'll we'll uh, make
1: that happen, listeners. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll move on to a more legitimate hip hop soul. A friend of the podcast <laughs> is it Craig on Kanye? Is it? It's time, time for, for Craig on Kanye. Kanye.
3: We don't have a jingle yet, do we? Not yet. Should we organize a jingle. We'll try and organize a jingle. Maybe
1: even Alan could do one for this episode. But if just in case he doesn't, we'll say that we're not doing one.
3: Yeah. Well, Kanye's been t- talking publicly, which is what? strange on Twitter and on chat shows. It's very unusual. It's very odd. You um, start off by bigging up Chance, who we'll be talking about later, uh, said so the album's a masterpiece and obviously they're friends for a long time. Chance came back with some very nice stuff about how he's been part of his life since 2004, the college dropout and stuff like that. Um, it was a nice back and forth, kind of a nice you know, tribute to Kanye then from Chance. Um, and then Kanye had his own tribute to Kanye on Ellen, um, which just came out today, and it's kind of being called, it's being likened to the Tom Cruise. Appearance. Well, we can listen to a little bit of audio, so let's just have a quick snippet of that.
0: And then you tweeted out that you wanted Mark Zuckerberg to to give you fifty three million dollars. In hindsight, should that have gone on Facebook?
1: Yes, I yes. should have put it on Facebook. Now I understand why he didn't hit me back. He was. Yeah. I understand that Zuckerberg doesn't use uh, Twitter, yeah. even though I have had dinner with him and his wife and told him about how I wanted to help the world. And he said he'd help me, and then blah, blah, blah. And like, that's how it feels, though. You know, I feel that if I had more resources, I could help more people. I have ideas that can make the human race existence within our hundred years better the exact amount of uh, emotion and color palette and sonics and everything that i put into my music i put them into the shoes and
2: they work
3: so there you go i mean like, like i don't know is that really tom cruisey for you
1: like no.
2: it's the it's, obvious
3: go-to it, but i mean that's nah, very kanye being kanye he's not saying any anything that if you're following any of his interviews in the last few years he hasn't really said before um talking about mark zuckerberg again uh, um, he's been to dinner with him and his wife, um and kind of yeah, Mark's being like, Yeah yeah, I'll help you no problem, so maybe that's why Kanye was tweeting about what well, it was a billion dollars he wanted to get out of debt from Mark Zuckerberg um Kanye just says, You know um he just wants to help people he does I have ideas that could make the human race existence um with in our hundred years better period, which doesn't like, actually make much grammatical sense <laughs> that's
2: why I don't know why people don't like Kanye. West. <laughs> How how can you not like you know hear quotes like that and just think this is the greatest thing I've ever heard? Like this 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 is the most hilarious. Ever. Yeah,
3: I also think kind of props to Zuckerberg that like of course you'd do that if you were that rich. You'd be like, yeah, Kanye, let's hook up. That'd be a great <laughs> dinner, and then just be like, yeah, I'll call you. Just like, <laughs> never give him money. Why would you? <laughs> I mean, uh, I probably would give him money, but then I don't on Facebook, and I'm you know someday someday you someday. will someday. What else has been rankling? Can you? Um, well, you know, you're talking about being likable. He, he was talking about the human race. He said, "Don't tell me about being likable. We're one race, the human race, one civilization. We're a blip in the existence of the universe, and we're constantly trying to pull each other down, not doing things to help each other." That's my point. And again, it's this kind of stuff. Aside from like the Fair way enough. he comes out with it, it's, it's like when it's written down, you're like, "Yes, this guy is a philosopher, a scholar." Gentleman, um, then he talks about dead people Picasso is dead, Steve Jobs is dead, Walt Disney is dead. Name somebody that's living that you can name in the same breath as them. And that's obviously a prompt for Ellen to say Kanye West, I guess. And then they start dancing <laughs> <laughs> well, up
2: until maybe this album cycle when some of the things he has said have become even more outrageous, and a lot of them which you cannot support at all. Um, some of the stuff about Amber Rose and Bill Cosby, of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. Um, but before that, like. Generally, it would come out barbed like that, but r- rarely would I actually disagree with anything Kanye says. Yeah, the logic when he, when, was there yeah.
3: underneath all the kind of, yeah. Yeah, and when he, he, he talks
2: about his genius, you're right, Kanye, you're just not very modest about it, but you're absolutely correct. Um, yeah, I thought it was like there was a a a short, uh, I think it was a match of the day, too, to bring things back to football with the photographer Kevin Cummins, who sh- used to shoot the Stone Roses. Yeah. We could have used that as a segue. I think we're coming to them in a bit. But, uh, <laughs> Stay tuned, Rose's we'll, fans. We'll fix it. Post. Stay tuned. <laughs> he 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 had a quote in that um, that nobody steps on stage in front of an audience if they don't have an ego. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, and you know, rock stars have been getting away with this this egotistical stuff for. Her for years um,
3: I mean I've said before that I think it's some weird subconscious racism against him I'll, to a, an extent the kind of hatred for Kanye just because he's talking out so much like white rock stars did for decades and everyone thought yeah they're the greatest things in sliced bread that's the way you should kind of act um, it doesn't seem okay for Kanye to.
2: oh yeah well you, you go back to that, that Glastonbury uh, last year we talked about this in a previous podcast I think so we won't go too back much into it but um Absolutely. I mean, you, you you could take direct quotes, and if you attributed them to Liam Gallagher, like, he's a top lad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you looked at, at the Glastonbury quotes from, or sorry, the 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 petition, I mean, some of that stuff was was it wasn't just subconsciously racist; it was overtly racist. Yeah. Uh, things like Kanye should be allowed play, but not the main stage. I kind of know your place. Yeah, very much so. Comment basically. Oh yeah, uh,
1: totally. Yeah. It's complete bullshit. It is. Um, Kanye, top lad. Yeah. Uh, my housemate is in Japan at the moment, and she came across a shrine this week in which a YouTube sensation, apparently by the name of Dan Howell, had written into a block of wood, uh, I wish for more people to appreciate Kanye as an artist, not who he is as a person. And I feel like, yeah, I think that sums it up. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> go, does. Yeah, go I like go listen I like to that. Last Call and then tell me that Kanye West is talentless or not interesting. You can't.
3: Okay, uh, I will do that.
2: <laughs> do it now, Greg. And of course, you could say that quote about so many other stars. And uh, look, if you if you if 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 you don't like egotistical uh, musicians, you know just. Scrub your your record collection of all people with ego and just play what's what's left. What's left?
1: Well, I'm sure you'll have a ball. Absolutely. And ego, when it comes to musicians, I think is a very interesting thing. And yeah. I think it can be very much misinterpreted. Um, let's have a quick blast of the new Father John Misty song to lead us into what we're going to talk about in just a moment. <laughs>
3: So that was Real Love Baby, uh, the new one from Father John Misty. And it's kind of nice to hear new music because it's usually with him lately. I know he's done some collaborations, um, worked with Beyonce, Um, but usually it's kind of him up to his hijinks, either in interviews or on Twitter, usually really entertaining, uh, but a couple of BBC um, journalists weren't too entertained on the radio. Mark Radcliffe and Stuart Marconi had Father John Misty on the radio, on the show, and they're kind of, I guess you'd say their senses of humour didn't quite work. We'll take a listen to a clip and then we'll have a chat about it.
0: You know, it's funny because people ask me this question a lot, but they, but they, keep, they keep going. And make the question boring hmm. when it could be such an interesting, when it could be something that I could talk about, um, you know, like at great length um, uh, and, and actually reveal a lot more about who I am than just asking me where the name comes from or something. Hmm. Do, you, well, do you like how I'm just kind uh, of but, like, uh, well, just like no, tacit, tacitly? No, not really, because <laughs> uh, no. Oh, yeah, no, because no. they go. So you grew up in a no. Christian household but you called it. Fl- Wait, which, which to me is like an interest. It's like, uh, let's talk about. What do you want? Let's yeah, talk about. I know about you, you you're talking Okay. About- okay. And then okay. they go- you're And then it's a, reducti- then it's a reductive
2: go- kind of question, but it does. Oh, uh- can I yeah. just finish uh, my uh, thought? By
0: all means. <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm making you quite flustered.
2: No, you're not making me flustered in the slightest. It's are exasperating me, but that's yeah. two
1: different things.
0: Yeah. There's nothing more flustering you can say to someone than I'm making you flustered. Oh, gosh. Right. Well, I back to your superior knowledge. Oh,
3: God, come on, man. Okay, so that was Josh Tillman getting a bit fed up with the way things were going with that interview. Um, He was hearing a lot of questions that he'd been asked a billion times before that were just very kind of, you know, one-dimensionally handled, I guess, um, being cut across a lot. But, I don't know, I heard this. The internet internet kind of exploded with a cringiest interview ever. I kind of found it entertaining. I didn't feel like he was about to storm out. I felt like at times he was almost enjoying it, trying to wind them up a bit. They certainly weren't, though.
2: I think there's like two things with this. Um, number one is that he's been touring that record for a year now, if not over a year, uh, and he just sounds like he's jaded talking about yeah. it. Um, and they, uh, you know, that that question is a, a very much like a very stock question for him to hear. And the second thing is that they were clearly way under prepared um for the interview. Now they started asking about about the fathermas persona and if he was inhabiting a character. But it's clear if you listen to that album even once that it's it's, a, it's the most well, honest expression yeah, it's of, one yeah. of the most personal albums you're ever yeah. likely to hear. I think when they, they comment on it, um, well, his father John must be, misty must be a real ladies' man, but nearly every fucking track is about <laughs> his, his wife. wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they came in really underprepared, and he has I think he has a little bit of previous uh, with with being a little bit barbed in interviews. He's he's a dry guy.
3: That's the thing. I mean, I don't even think he's annoyed half the time. He's just play- He's like, if you want to play with him in that kind of dry kind of droll way he's hilarious but they just weren't on board with it whatsoever it was just they kind of didn't intersect well at all
2: no yeah, it, and it's, it's his persona's on stage is quite similar as well yeah. um where he does that kind of very very he's that very dry kind of style uh incidentally um i do really like that new song um it's lovely it's, uh, yeah I think it's a much more kind of conventional song than than the stuff on I Love You Honey Bear. It is, yeah. Um, not as
3: lyrically heavy. Um, Bit of a throwback. It's kind of specter almost. Yeah. Um, it I felt, so. like it's over treatment song. It felt like it was like a two-minute thing. It just flew by. It's really, It's very dumb. straightforward in a, in, a, in a nice kind of restrained way. Um, I quite like him. It took me a
1: while to get into him and for no real reason. I just kind of wasn't really on my radar and I think those two records are, are quite fantastic. Um, And I think speaking as journalists here I feel like all three of us would love the chance to interview him yeah of course he's
2: given some really really great interviews uh, in print especially to look up uh, he i mean he's a super cool super interesting guy uh, and these uh, these guys just they, uh, uh, they didn't yeah. understand him as an artist and I think if you if you took the time to to understand him as an artist you wouldn't get that kind of reaction to his actual personality because no. he, he makes sense <laughs> if yeah. you understand his record I, um, I
3: think he even says in that interview it's just like you asked me about was I taking on this preacher persona because of the way I was raised and he said well you know you could ask me just about religion and stuff and we could have a really long good conversation but you're just bringing it back to this same question everyone asks me I think that was his point we can't just have a conversation or yeah he exactly, was willing yeah. it wasn't he like I don't want to be there it's probably a bit of that because he's tired but he was still open to talking they had their own kind of of narrative, and I personally think that both Mark Radcliffe and
1: Shira McConey aren't very interesting. I I don't like them. Um, they came across to me as very very smug and unprofessional throughout this, and especially afterwards as well when they they've been yucking it up about this thing. And you know, it's obviously done them no harm. Public like publicity wise, I think they loved it. By the they end. absolutely they go, fucking yeah. loved it. They thought that they had something. They were, they, they compared it to like you know uh, when Eamon Holmes interviewed David Blaine and, and who he didn't speak the evil eye, which is not comparable in the least. No. And I mean like I've I've seen you know. Mark Radcliffe on the BBC's woeful Glastonbury coverage every summer where he's just talking about how amazing everything is and how blah 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 it's so plain. And I remember on Glastonbury a couple of years ago when uh, Vampire Weekend were interviewed in the studio by, I forget the name of the presenter, he was a younger guy. And Vampire Weekend were perfectly polite and pleasant, they just weren't, you know, zany I guess, and after they had left, under no kind of, you know, acrimony... The presenter was like, huh, fuck, they're not very blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, what, like, what are you doing? Why yeah. are you throwing these people under the bus who are very interesting and make great music? And just because they're not you know, marching to the beat of your particular fucking myopic drum, you're going to try and hang them out like that? I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Follow John Missy, though, for his sake, has taken it quite well. Um, on Twitter, he was like, I miss you, at Lauren Laverne, because I think they yeah. previously talked to her and he quite liked it. And he also had did some kind of hilarious memes this week with like a f- photo of him and some kind of sloganeering in relation to the interview. But uh, uh, what baffles me and what I find mystifying is that anybody ha- this week has led with, oh, my God, this is a car crash interview
3: because of Father John Misty. Now, in fairness, I mean, the questions weren't they weren't utterly awful today. De- like he could have just gone with the flow, but he's not that kind of guy. And he was giving them a chance to kind of get in his mood and get it proper, proper conversation going. Um, but yeah, it's, I think he came out the winner.
2: Well, it's not a—I don't think it was a car crash interview by any stakes. Being pitched like that is is probably just another consequence or another symptom of uh, you know clickbait journalism. Yeah, and, absolutely. And any kind of any kind of sniff of any kind of controversy and they're going yeah. to try and milk it in, in headlines and things I'm sure he was just as surprised when he when he switched on his social media account and found that people were tweeting about this interview he'd probably long forgotten <laughs> um, uh, do other of you guys have
1: a particular favourite quote unquote car crash interview with musicians I, I, from I, I, years I, gone by, I,
2: could, I will. I have a personal story, but I won't reveal who it is. Um, wow, we we, uh,
1: <laughs> we 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 have the power to bleep things out on this show. <laughs> I'll say that much. Uh, it can <laughs> be bleeped out.
2: I well, I well, this is aside from a couple of 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 interviews I've done where it's just been two three word answers and not even pissed off people just not wanting to speak or just being really distracted when they're on the phone. But I was interviewing one um, one rapper and he was being like just he was being quite like he was pissed off being kind of antagonistic um just not being responsive at all <coughs> and so it was kind of just I was just thrashing out thrashing out questions just trying to pull pull quotes from him and eventually out of just kind of frustration uh and this one won't give away who it is but I decided to I asked about his films the films that he'd made and there was one particular film he was in that was a comedy um which I used to watch all the time when I was a kid and I just started uh telling oh, man, I really love that movie. I've seen it, like, 15 times. I was able to quote his lines and all this kind of thing. And he's like, oh, thank you, man. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. And by the end of the interview, then, he was like, now, if there's anything else you need, just give me a call and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. So, so, obviously, the way to his heart was to was to praise his acting talents yeah. rather than his rapping talents. Fantastic. But, uh, uh,
1: who was his co-star in that film? <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: we'll wait till, the, till, you know, off, off mic. And, uh, I feel
1: like we've planted enough seeds there. Hey, Greg, do you remember when we saw being interviewed and he really balked at the idea of how he was introduced and he was saying stuff like oh you know just because I've won that award you make it sound like it's all about you know the awards and the accolades but it's actually he was introduced as
3: the Oscar winning artist and blah 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 and the thing was, it was a panel discussion. So it wasn't like a just a media thing where he was like, just to clear something up. He waited for about five minutes for other people to talk about the totally different topic. And then when he, the mic came to me, he was just like, I would just like to say. I read and appreciate. And
1: it's like, you could feel the air being sucked out of the room. But yeah. uh,
3: that was my favourite live witness, personally. What about you? Um, I mean, I don't want to sell any artists down the river because sometimes people just have off days. We all do. Uh, but the charlatans at Electro Picnic were the worst for me. <laughs> Absolute dicks. <laughs> it was my fr- it was my first live interview um at Electro Picnic. Um the whole band came out and was set up like press conference so you weren't even on couches or looking at each other properly. It was as if you're announcing the signing of the Charlatans for a five-a-side yeah, football yeah. team. Yeah. It was like when the Stone Roses came back and did their press conference. Yeah, yeah. It was like that and In just front of trying a crowd to be ready. of people. Uh luckily I prepared about a million questions cuz it's my first one. So I just went through each question and they would just one word answer, giggle, look at each other, and then just do nothing. So it was a half hour of that. And then we went outside the tent, and they were lovely. <laughs> so they kind of sell me out, but um, I'm sure they're grand. It's, it's weird so. how that can happen. I mean, like, I remember um,
1: you interviewed, was it Holy Fuck? No. No. Foot at uh, Fuck Buttons, I've been through it a couple of years. Yeah. Ago. Who were great. They, they were, were great. great gosh, yeah. No, no, no they, they were fantastic. But I remember afterwards, one of them outside turned to you and was like, Do you do that all the time? Yeah. How'd you do that? And he was like, I couldn't, I could never do that. And it's like, You get on stage in front of yeah, thousands, thousands of people, people yeah, and was... play
3: incredible music. And, and he was bemused by the, like, you know, the... it is an odd setup, especially at a festival when you've just got drunk people wandering in and just kind of like trying to take the mic. And it's not really the best place for a proper sit down interview in a tent in Stradbally. <laughs> true enough. True enough. Well, look. Uh, I guess we should move into some
1: new, fresh music
3: tunes. Yeah. It's uh,
1: it's the songs of the week, and it doesn't get more fresh than the comeback single from the Stone Roses. <laughs> So that's the Stone Roses with "All for One," a song that was released um, seconds
3: after we left the studio last Thursday. And not in
2: 1994, as the song actually sounds.
3: (laughs) We weren't in the studio with the Stone Roses. Yeah, Yeah, we we watched it get
2: pressed, um, (laughs) standing there with our
0: our thumbs raised. (laughs)
2: And
3: it's a hit.
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Uh, Okay, uh, who
1: who wants to take this one?
2: Well, I'll say uh, the first thing I'll say is that it is. It was really funny to me how Stone Roses fans on social media are. They're worse than the Bayhive. They're worse than the Believers. (laughs) Um, I think the the, the Guardian gave it like a pretty lukewarm review and uh, they were just all over them on on Twitter. And I think um, the Guardian music editor, Michael Han, took to responding to some of them, um, which is a good read if you want to go back and read his tweets. Um, I mean, look, when we when I when we heard about the song, my immediate thoughts were what? A Stone Rose song in 2016. Yeah, what? What? What is that even? It doesn't mean? make sense. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it kind of just didn't. Uh, it didn't do anything for me at all. It's it's kind of interesting. There, we there was when we kind of g- g- read music reviews. You very very rarely read really terrible reviews, except if it's an aging rock star. They're the only people who get very bad reviews, uh, because if a song like this had come along from a new band, it would just get completely ignored. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's it's really, really generic. It's just it's it's
3: it's it's like the, it's catchy, but in a terrible, terrible oh, man, way. It sounds
1: because like a theme tune to a really shit TV show. From like, it, it reminds me of like the Barney song.
3: Like, I love you, you love me. It's very much that lyrically uh, and instrumentally. The terms guitar, of sentiment. the guitar is ripped off from a, a song by The Fall. Love.
1: That song, yeah, from like way back in the archives, and they just took that riff. Apparently, Marky Smith will be cool with it, though. I'm sure he'll be fine with it. Yeah,
3: Uh, the vocals are bizarrely high in the mix for a Stone Roses song. Yeah, the drums are all over the place. The guitar solo is just again sub Zeppelin y thing they were doing on the lyrics are appalling. There's no rhythm section really, considering they're the best thing about the band. Um, Yeah, it was kind of like it reminded me of that Oasis bit in Is It Cheese Electric. Yeah, or, oh, Jesus, like, yeah, that's spot on. Yeah, Noel her just admitted that it was taken from some kids' TV show. It's just like, I'll be you and you'll be me. There's lots and lots. You know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's essentially that for four minutes. Voices are not in the studio, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that was Craig. That, that, that's how good his impressions are. Um,
1: yeah, I kind of feel like again, not to like, like almost with Nickelback. There's no point in shooting fish in a barrel for too long. Uh, I wasn't. I had no. I had no expectations for this, uh, and it, it 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 met my no expectations.
2: It, it sounds so. We're probably going to get maybe ten or eleven new songs because it's an album. This sounds. They <laughs> sat Jesus. down and they said, "We need to write a, a first single here." And and it's like okay, we'll do a really simplistic chorus, yeah, uh, stock riff. Um, people will will go mental for the festivals kind of job. Done. They will, don't they? It they was, they it's, fucking it's such, will, though. That's you know, the problem. It's so it's so by the numbers. And Bucket like, hats
3: flying through the air. So you're saying yeah. there's a chance the album could be even somewhat interesting?
2: No, I'm sure. I'm no. sure it'll be. <laughs> I'm sure it'll probably it'll be much of the same, hitting hitting certain points. Yeah. Uh, and I was a huge fan of Second Coming as well. Um, I'm big Summer, I was a big Stone Roses fan. But uh, yeah, on one hand, it's it's nice because they've been touring for a while to kind of say we can't just keep touring the same songs. Fair play
3: to them um, to a certain yeah. extent. Although they kind of need to do it to justify.
2: Yeah, Blur, Blur did it, and and their album was pretty solid. But yeah, you di- you didn't get the same sense that because I, I suppose maybe because those guys had been making music at a pretty high level in different different guises for a long time. Um you didn't ever, you never felt like even even from the album art and all the artwork that was being splashed across Manchester, it was just like that's just taken from nineteen eighty eight. Um, so you never really got the sense that this is not just, just the song is just not going to be relevant, it's not going to be interesting in any sort of way, and it, it just wasn't. Um
3: Because, uh, you know, the Stone Roses were, you know, the standard bearers of that Manchester thing. But in a way, apart from like one or two songs, they really had nothing to do with that sound. It wasn't innovative. It was always that more classical hard rock kind of sound. So even then it was kind of leaning on the 70s. And now it just sounds like nothing that's going on in a bad way. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think the Stone Um, Roses
2: as well. There were a band who were greater than some of their parts. Like there's... The genius in their music is something that's 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 sewn into it. It's it that's it's it's an era. It's like it's it's capturing a a wave or capturing a culture and and sewing it into your music in a way that can't that's not tangible. Yeah. Um. When you because you know you listen to the, most of those songs and they're 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 pretty standard guitar drum bass songs. Um. Simple choruses. It's just just in, in, incredibly pl- pleasurable to listen to. So to try and replicate that out of that era.
3: Yeah, yeah. Just
2: it was it was always it was going to be very, very difficult, and which is why I'm kind of thinking: why do we need a Star Wars song in 2016? Yeah, what what would doing. that even mean? And uh, it, it just it just didn't do anything for me.
1: But if we put our hands together, guys, <laughs> <laughs> we can make a wall. <laughs> it's I did, a lovely I, sentiment.
2: I, I I did enjoy. I read it's some of the. Um, some of the reviews and I would have liked to uh, you know the Manchester Evening News was one of the first and of course it was the best thing since sliced bread they're back I just would have loved to have seen these classic rock publications or Manchester publications just wanted them to say, to be brave enough and say that was shit lads <laughs> you know it would have been like you know you know your, your esteemed colleagues at Hot Press writing a bad U2 review yeah yeah, <laughs> very rare very very yeah. rare
1: uh, State Magazine who I write for by the way uh, ran a feature on it the day after it came out uh, the editor uh, Aaron Drain lovely gentleman he sent around an email to all the staff being like do we want to do a piece in this do people want to contribute uh, my entire reply to all people in the email thread was it's shit and in the end, resultant piece that was published there's lots of considered takes and then there's
2: me going it's shit which I'm yeah, very very proud really... of. It kind you, of you obviously have a, a beautiful body of work Dave but <laughs> that might have been my, the favourite thing I've ever seen you do <laughs> coming from you man <laughs> mean, that
1: means an awful lot it to me it was
3: simple you know it was memorable it was a bit like the Stone Roses new song
1: very good um, we'll move on uh, we'll let's move on we'll move on uh, Craig uh, kind of like a I guess like a
3: lucky dip here pick our next song um, let's go brand new with their brand new song I Am A Nightmare
1: Uh, it's brand new with I Am A Nightmare, uh, their first song in a year and kind of came out of nowhere. I'm a big fan. I don't think you guys are as into them as I am. So let's get your perspective first.
3: Okay. Um wasn't really what, I'm, like, what I was expecting, um, even though I don't know much of their stuff. But I guess that's kind of been the situation with this band. They've been stylistically shifting a lot over all their albums. They've been away for a while. To me, it was, you know, a kind of just repetitive slice of pop punky stuff. It wasn't doing much for me. It's probably going to be fun live. Um, it's, a you know, a nice, sharp, short, sharp burst for, you know, they introduce the album if it ever turns up, but wouldn't be a massive fan. Wouldn't slag it off, but wouldn't be a massive fan.
2: Uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's, it's a big riff at the start. <laughs> it does settle down into a, a kind of very unmemorable, um, pop punk song. So much so that I'm barely remembering what the song said. Yeah, it was... <laughs> Dave,
3: I mean, as a fan of this band and and probably all their different guises, would you say? Or yeah, yeah. Some, I'm a, some I'm a huge, I'm a huge
1: brand new fan. They mean an awful lot to me. Uh, I will say that this song, "I'm a Nightmare," it's it's fine. It's just fine. It's grand. Okay. Like it's three out of five for me. Um, it's it's very reminiscent of actually "Bored to Death," the new Blink One Eighty Two song, and as much as yeah, it's uh, a band kind of going back to its roots to a degree, uh, and it just kind of ticks the boxes. But like, I'm happy to have it. I mean, essentially brand new. It appears they're on their way out. Um, They may or may not be doing one last album. This is much more in line with their early stuff, which will be the the record Your Favourite Weapon. It's reminiscent of the stuff like, you know, Jude Law and A Semester Abroad and 70 Times 7 I don't think that they're going to write a record like uh, The Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me again, which to me was without question their peak. And a wonderful, wonderful record by any band. Uh, A hell of a peak to have for any band. This it's just nice to hear from them again as far as I'm concerned they they played here last September uh for no real reason uh, in Vicker Street it was a wonderful wonderful gig um what a wonderful
2: <laughs> a wonderful one yeah
1: a wonderful uh and yeah essentially it doesn't do an awful lot uh it's very straightforward it's quite it is quite stock actually um and if anything it sounds more like the gaslight anthem than it sounds like brand new which is kind yeah. of strange for me but ultimately yeah um I'm happy to have a fairly standard you know point A to point B brand new song out there in the world I, I you know like, like that's okay for me cool good um, next Jim. well this one surprised me this is The Last Shadow Puppets uh, and Miracle Aligner tell what you want. Okay, we've talked about the Last Shadow Puppets. Uh, puppets.
3: <laughs> I like that name. The Last Shadow puppets. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire's favorite band. <laughs> Some the, kids want to form a Last Shadow Puppets cover band. The Last that Shadow Puppets,
1: be, yeah. yeah, it really should be. Yeah. Um, the Last Shadow, the first Shadow Puppets, the Last Shadow Puppets are back. Uh, we've talked about their album recently on the show. I, I buried it six feet under. Um, yeah, I
3: had reservations. I liked the first album. Uh, I didn't like the kind of. Ridiculous, cheeky, choppy, Latario re- routine they're doing now. Um, it's like a terrible Father John Misty, according to you know Mark Radcliffe and Sarah <laughs> But um, this, yeah, I'm I'm taking it that you liked it a lot more. I really like stuff. this. Yeah,
1: I really like this. Yeah. Uh, I I gave the album a couple of listens for the podcast episode that we did, but I didn't really. Did, delve- did you
3: hear their first album? Because this is more like it. No. Okay. So there. you go. I've heard the singles, and I was like, this isn't for me. Now the melody is kind of. It took me ages, but it's it's um my girl. Oh shit! Back it. it is, yeah, but it's really well done. Oh fuck, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh my god, it um, is. So but no it, wonder I like it. <laughs> but it's it it is well done. It's the very strings very, actually. It's lovely work done. Well, yeah. with it. Yeah, it's a great melody. Um, and even the video isn't them being ridiculously awful. It's like a partridge esque thing where What's they're what is knowingly. Tan? I know it's bizarre but it's kind of funny. Like, this is the side of them I want to see as opposed to the kind of more playful, as swaggering... To, playful as opposed to braggadocious. Yeah. So, yeah, I think
1: if you look at the song Bad Habits, which I think will go down as one of the worst performances and songs of all time, versus this, it's like two different bands. Again, they're not really ripping up the rule book here. This is
3: another kind of straightforward enough, you know, ditty, if you want yeah, to... And it's of, an Alex Turner one he wrote with someone other than Miles Kane. I'm just putting that out there.
1: I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, I really like it. I think it's, I think it's a really classy little song. And I never thought I would say that about this band but
3: i i i am in cool for speaking this. of classy <laughs> uh, next song rosheen murphy <laughs>
1: You're going to initially preview the last song they we were on top of there, and I was like, What is he talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is 10 Miles High by Ocean Murphy from her forthcoming record,
3: uh, Take Her Up to Monto. Uh, she's really is one of the kind, isn't she? She is, yeah, it's another kind of soulful, um, really, really good song that just kind of and a, kind of amorphous as well. Um, you never know quite what you're going to get, but it's always stylistically gorgeous. Again, the video's super. Looking forward to recording two records in two years after such a long gap. Eight years she was away, so it's really good to have her around.
2: Yeah, I really like this one. Um it actually kinda of feels like one of her album songs rather than a single. she's she's put out some really, really massive singles which for some reason don't Yeah don't yeah. become very, very popular. Um so this is actually I think a much more kind of uh subtle subtle kind of a record um, which is just a, it's just a classic Roisin Murphy song
1: it is yeah
3: great vocal just immaculate production and
0: it keeps yeah. you
1: kind of guessing as you say like it keeps kind of moving to different places yeah it kind of still holds its thread together the production is fucking gorgeous uh, it just sounds like from like you're kind of it's infectious, like it's hypnotic. It has you straight away, um, and, it's, and for a song that's about five minutes long or so, again, does not feel anywhere near that kind of running time. I no. like that it kind of it, it's quite disparate and that it has kind of like you know almost like a three act structure, which you would expect from her. She's obviously very kind of um, ambitious when it comes to her music, and uh, all signs point to another great record from Rosine. She's she's a terrific talent, and it's great to hear from her again. Uh, but you know who it's not so great to hear from? <laughs> from a classy
3: lady to some classy lads. It's Coldplay with Up and Up a from a diamond in a rough see a
2: bird side half of the flood is in your blood.
0: It's in your blood on the stone moment I'm very saying sitting with the boys that takes away the pain up and up Up and up oh, oh. saying we go
1: So up and up okay. here. It's taken from Calm Down. I, I can see you, you know, getting ready to uh, to slate this one, Craig. You know, like let 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 love into your heart. You know, that's all yeah. this is about. This is from a head full of dreams, the record they released in December. Uh, not to constantly be plugging my drowning sound work, but I reviewed it there. I think I gave it three out of ten. I really went to ten on that record because it's appalling. As I've said before, Coldplay for me are a band that I don't agree with the level of hatred that they get. They're almost a new Nickelback in that regard. I do think that they have a lot of great songs. I do think he can make one fantastic record by cherry-picking them from their entire catalogue. However, A Head Full of Dreams to me was confirmation that this band are done, that they're creatively spent, the well is dry. And a song like this to yeah. me is just as generic as a co let's all hold hands and be one person it, together it,
3: can get. That production, it's it's Phil Col- Collins doing Disney, isn't it? It's, that is what it It's is. It's just so syrupy and... I don't like Chris Martin when he's happy. I think <laughs>
0: it's a horrible but thing. But he's to just gone through divorce. I
3: thought but he's you know he's really out there and he's living life and it's you know on great terms with his ex.
2: I can't. But I can't even understand the thought process behind the it. like band. <laughs> they, they, I think a rush Blood to the head is a good album. Um, I don't really fuck with the first one. What was that called? Parachutes. Parachutes. But that had a couple of decent songs on it. Uh, and after that, they, they they seem to be on the on the kind of cusp of being a big big band. So for them, that meant you know, these these huge choruses and and the, the, you know massive stadium filling songs, which they did, when the songs weren't that good. But yeah. now, it's, and over the last few years, it's just descended into this kind of, you know, they're, they're spray painting each other neon, and, and, and <laughs> they're, they're they're performing at the Super Bowl, and, and it's just it's, it's kind of like crazy people just asking Chris Martin, "Do you fancy doing this?" And, <laughs> and he maybe he's just maybe he's just loving his life um, as as this kind of rock star. Uh, that smile is painted on, if you ask me. He used to talk about, I remember he used to talk about trying to write a song as good as, like, Rocket Man. <laughs> I, I don't even know what he's thinking anymore. He's <laughs> I, 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 I feel I feels like he's given up a little bit. Yeah,
3: they did see that trajectory after Russia Blood, and they decided, okay, let's try and be you too. And it didn't seem to quite work. Um, it, they still sold insane amounts. But since then, every album's had to have this gimmick almost for them to hang it on or like this. This is now our Eno record. And then they were like, okay, the last couple have been, do you know what, actually, pop's not a dirty word. And it seems like they're coming out with, oh, what a left turn for Coldplay, but they're still melodic. And it's just like, no, but every experimental thing they try and do, it just ends up sounding like Coldplay in some dreadful suit with a mawkish lyric of nothingness underneath. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I, I haven't heard those albums in their entirety, but to suggest that they have put out an album that's that's like their Eno record is like when Arctic Monkeys said that A.M. was going to be their Dr. Dre record. Yeah. You, they <laughs> well, just Eno say,
3: produced it, but it sounded like he wasn't in the room. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he did a Rick Rubin on it, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, they just... Uh, they, there's no thought to their... There's no method to their madness. It's just unrelated madness I'm afraid
1: and, uh, that could be the name of the new album unrelated madness I <laughs> like oh, okay. uh, can I play with unrelated madness uh, ok look we're going to take a quick break now uh, listen to a bit of this Hey listener, this is the awkward section of the show where we take a quick break to tell you about everything that we've been doing on the Headstuff Podcast Network. If you like this show, and I presume that you do, otherwise why would you be listening to me right now, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, rate and review the show, uh, you know, we like that kind of thing. We give bad reviews all the time. Give us a good one, just to be different. The Headstuff Podcast Network is a kind of a bit of a rolling machine, a bit of a beast if you will. There's podcasts from the likes of myself, of course, Alison Spittle, Garrod Farrelly, and much more to come. Alan McGuire's got a great one called Juvenalia, even if me and him aren't exactly best friends. And of course, there's the original Mac Daddy of it all, the Headstuff podcast itself, run by Alan Bennett. If you like what we do, and again, I feel like you kind of do, you can support us on Patreon, or you can subscribe to those lovely, lovely podcasts on iTunes as well. Back to the show. This is Chance the Rapper. I ain't teaching
0: taxes in school. It don't even matter, I was acting a fool. But who would think the raps would turn into racks? Don't matter, matter of fact, can't happen to you. The scars on my head on the boy who left boy love playing when the boy too sick. Reclining on a prayer, I'm declining their help. I've been lying to my body, can't rely on myself at you all. Know. Last year I got addicted to Xanax, start forgetting my name and start to my chance. I laid for four months, end up leaving right back. I'm in love with my city, bitch, I'm sleeping my hat. Uh, I felt tight ever since my dog died. He lit an '84, damn, that's a long ride. I know he up there, he just sitting, he wait. I'll be racing up the stairs, I'ma get to the gate singing.
3: All right, cool. That was Finish Line from Chance the Rapper's third album. Um, Lots of people are talking about it being his big breakthrough record. Um, For my money, he's been due for a while. Chicago artist, um, protege of Kanye in a lot of ways. Um, Obviously, was on Ultralight Beam earlier this year, which people went mad for, including you, Dave. This is almost an extension of that in album form. So I'm assuming you loved it, yeah?
1: No! Uh, disappoint me. This is Colouring Book, as Craig says. Yeah, Chance the uh, the Rapper's third record. And Ultralight Beam, still, mark it down, everyone, still my song of the year. Uh, Chance's verse still blows me away. Yeah. Uh, There's nothing on this record that comes close to that verse. And it's also, there was talk of The Life of Pablo being a gospel record, even from Kanye West himself. And I am very glad that he went in the direction that he went having heard this record, which one, for me, is too kind of plain and straightforward and not all that engaging. And two, it's way into Jesus. That's a problem for you. It, it's just, it's too much of it. I, I look, yeah. Listen, I don't. I don't have a problem with faith, I you know, like, like <laughs> or anyone who does, I really don't. Uh, Ultra Light Beam, for example, like I, mean, like I say, it, it almost makes me want to go to fucking church, but it turns out I don't want an entire... We can take it to church. It, it, <laughs> if only there was a song. Um, it turns out that an entire record of that gets a bit boring and uninteresting for me personally. Yeah,
2: Dean Van Wynn. I don't think there's any problem with the fact that he's talking about his faith and his belief uh, I think that the problem with that is that he has left out any kind of sense of humanity in it. Um, I felt listening to the album, it was he was preaching, and, and he, he it's a very it's been called a very positive record, but it felt like he had this kind of smile on his face throughout, and he had kind of nothing behind that. Um, he didn't let you in any way in. When 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 you assert on a song that your life is perfect, and you basically lay that at the door of your faith. It's a very hard sell for me. Um I I kind I felt it, I I thought it was preachy and and I I'm so I'm not a believer and I kind of felt like I was on the outside of this album this is very much something that you could play in a church, but it's it's I, it's about as interesting to me as actually going to see going to a Sunday service. Um there was, I think, that this is it, it, this album is kind of a it, it's a bit, it's a zeitgeisty kind of record. Is in as I usually say, chance was due. I think it was kind of expected to be the to pimp the butterfly of this year, a very a very um, ambitious album musically. Yeah. Um, uh, a ver- an album very much defined by its it by or very much a defining record for Black America right now. But whereas I think Kendrick's album was absolutely spiritual to its core, um, which kind of gave you because kendrick is a very spiritual person and it kind of gave you an insight into the you know the, the importance i suppose of of his faith within the context of of uh some of the social issues going on in america at the moment this is just it's just well it's scripture. all better yeah, yeah. Um, um and that's that's only problem number one i have with it <laughs> uh, i mean you know you can uh you can get away with anything lyrically uh you know you can get, a, get away with you know Get it on, bang a on, get it on, and then still make a classic song. This album has a bunch of problems. Um, firstly, I think he's he's an indisciplined uh, s- performer in that he, the a lot of the arrangements are really, really overstuffed and and clunky. Um, like uh, that opening track that actually has Kanye on the choir, as if he couldn't get anything else for Kanye to do, so he put him in the choir. All, yeah, we, got, all we got, yeah. It's just it's there's there's horns and there's organs and there's a choir and then there's Kanye in his auto tune and it's just <laughs> in a white suit it, probably <laughs> yeah and it's such a mess on the ear. um you got that as well with no problem um and a lot of songs down the back end as well i think finish line which we heard um so, and, and, and secondly he's he's a he's a good he, he he has the ability to be a good rapper as we heard on ultra light beam but he uses his voice in in so many different ways on this that he he has a tendency to overreach, and he makes his he'll, he'll make his voice quite croaky, and um he's he, he I think he he tries to get away with things that he shouldn't try to get away with, um, so even on a do you su- mean
1: do you mean just vocally or in terms of subject matter or even like his arrangements? like when you say like you know things he can't get away with, like do you think he's simply trying too hard?
2: Yeah, vocal. Uh, I think vocally, you um, in, in, in there's, there's 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 choruses when that are completely unmemorable and and, and off aw- awkward on the ear, uh, which which just it, it just doesn't work. Um, I think with Ultra Light Beam, you had a song where, where, where Kanye has he brings a lot of humanity to his music. So we we've seen him make songs about about how he's tried to balance being a rap star with. With his faith and how that's kind of a uh, these are almost opposing forces in his life. Um, I think th- in a, a lot of ways there was some songs on on Pablo where he was trying to almost cleanse himself. Uh, you just don't get that sense of humanity here at all um, on on Chance's album. Um,
1: Plus, on Ultra Light Beam, he was brought in very specifically to do a very specific thing. It's almost like you know he's a cog in the machine. Whereas spending... We're all just cogs in the machine, <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> Ghosts in the machine. Uh, whereas spending an entire hour or so with him here, what I've
3: learned is that he's just not very interesting. I disagree on nearly all points. Um, definitely with the first track, I was concerned, because like you guys, I don't like preachy music. Overtly, gospel stuff when it's syrupy doesn't work for me. But I find him kind of, if not compelling, at least really, really enjoyable company. Um... And I certainly love his flow. I think it's great. I love the fact that he just switches it up constantly. And I feel like he can get away from it. He he, he can sing. Uh, he can just do backflips in the middle of a sentence. Um, I was really enjoying that. And I felt there was enough conflict in it where it wasn't just like when Mace came back and he'd found God and his album just tanked because he just became ultra preachy. Uh, I found there was a lot interesting on this Um and yeah, okay, maybe not the strongest tunes in the world, but certainly none I'd really skip. I think that um,
2: song like no problem, where he you know he does the chorus line that you don't want no problem. You know, it, it, he's kind of it's like his version of antagonism, but on Sesame Street in a kind of a really unmelodic way, and it's just yeah. You see, I don't know. I
3: found that kind of stuff endearing, and I've always h- had that with Chance in terms of you know acid rap, um, where he was more, I guess, filled with the love of drugs then with See, the love of when, God <laughs> and he was mm. a bit more hazy maybe that's the kind of vibe you prefer often
2: well I think acid rap had a spirituality to it yeah, um, sure definitely because you know chance you you would never guess uh, he was the person who made bar you know he it's, he obviously has a very distinct style but subject matter really, you know, on, on acid rap. You know, he he had to deal with a lot of things. He dealt with the. I mean, he witnessed the stabbing death. I'm not talking close enough. Here. He <laughs> witnessed the stabbing death of one of his best friends yeah. in Chicago and things like that. And that comes up on Acid Rap. So I think when when you listen to that and you hear the spirituality and you can see, it, it, you can draw parallels. And you can draw lines as to why, as to why this is an important issue in his life. This that has just been scrubbed completely, and there's 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 no as i say he's kind of got this really bright look on his face but you kind of look into his eyes and and there's just nothing behind <laughs> the well, eyes <laughs> i felt happy for him i was just like this is a guy that's liberated i mean he talks about you know how
3: and he's famously a very independent artist this is another record he's released his sorry third mixtape now, if you, if you will, which he hasn't done with a, with a label. I know he did a deal with Apple Music
2: for a couple of weeks. See, that's very disputed, his, uh, his independence when he's, you know, he's doing deals with one of the biggest companies in the world. <laughs> yeah, for but... two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> he just he signed just, up to Apple Music he, by the way.
3: <laughs> did you sign up to Apple Music? No, no, I didn't. How, how's that title going for you? Um, it's still going. I tried to cancel it, um, and it said you can cancel at a certain time next month. So okay, well, we'll, we'll do that. We'll
1: pick it up there again. <laughs> uh, as for Chance, though, presumably he doesn't need to be subscribed to these services because he's part of all these services. Is I mean, is it, look, this record has been made. Um, I it, what it came out in App Music first? Like, is it still a- no? No,
3: it came out for he dropped it for free. Um, but then it was quite quickly taken down, yeah, which is yeah. why we all have it um, <laughs> yeah, we, have, we haven 't done anything wrong <laughs> um and then, yeah, for the next i think week and a half it 'll just be apple music and then rolled out everywhere right he generally doesn 't charge for his albums, so he 's a man of god how do you how do you think that he mar he marries that?
1: Commercialism with being independent, like is, do you think he still has that? Dean clearly doesn't.
3: So what? Am I, I do. I don't see him selling out at all. No,
1: I mean, I know, no, no, no Selling out. I mean, like, that's a horrible term, anyway. But I mean, like, it's a case of can he be both? Can he be, you know, where he's coming from, and can he? You mentioned project Yeah, West. I don't
3: think that's an issue anymore because even if you know, what can labels really? Well, actually, you know, labels can do dreadful things, as we know from some of the news. But um, I don't think he needs to sign anything that's going to take anything away from what he's attempting. And certainly with this kind of record, I mean, you probably wouldn't say, okay, commercial enough sounding, um, but lyrically wise, it might be isolating to a lot of people. Well, um Dean used, used the word un-
1: Dean used the word unmemorable earlier on, and that's how I kind of feel with this record. There's nothing here on this album where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's straight in there. Like, it's pleasant. It's kind of like driving around with the top down, somewhere listening, you know, in a nice sunny day music. It's grand. It's, you know, you go to a party, it's playing, you're like, yeah, it's nice. But I mean, it's, it's clearly so...
3: it's clearly the sound of a guy that I think his first ever rap record was the College Dropout, and I saw some reviews kind of saying this is the best Kanye West album in years. Oh no! So I feel like people that have been missing that side of Kanye will latch onto this. In if
1: its
2: you own stack
3: way. those two records together, though, I don't think you.
2: I, I think. Oh no, that... no! But
3: I'm just saying the, the sound is clearly going for that era.
2: I think that for all the people who are calling it a masterpiece, won't be listening to it in like two years. I don't think it has a whole lot of replay value. It's not a lot to figure Do you, uh, out do you think
1: it. that that's a kind of a cult of personality type thing? That people are just like, this guy's awesome and he's cool and he's really preachy. He's not starting to preach, he's really happy, he's really positive. He's smiling all the time. We like him, we like this guy. Let's anoint him by giving him fucking 9.1 on Pitchfork. I mean, I I I feel like a lot of the goodwill that comes to this record is goodwill coming to him personally. And he seems like a lovely guy, but the album... I mean,
3: I don't think he's like an ASAP Rocky where, okay, decent enough voice, but nothing really to say. He's a very talented lyricist. He has some amazing lines in most of his songs. Um, I do like his flexibility in terms of his flow. Um, Maybe you think he overstretches, but I think he's got a huge amount of talent. Yeah, maybe there's not all-out classics on this, but as a listen, it's something I would happily listen to over and over again.
2: I think uh, he's absolutely a talent and he's a super interesting artist and I don't think there's anybody else quite like him um like i i liked acid rap um i thought there's probably too many songs and i just wasn't that keen on for me to kind of call it the classic i didn't dig surf at all and um bar a three-track stretch in the middle which mixtape angels angels and juke jam which i thought were yeah, quite good uh, well. i don't uh, i don't really like this but i think he will absolutely make a better a better album um yeah it's just it, it it's kind it, it just not to Dwell on the on the on the Christianity in it um because as I say look christianity religion inspires some of the most the best music in the world yeah. the best rap music in the world um but it just it just felt like very much preaching to the converted here i've you know i I kind of take issue with uh I know it's it's people would say it's slightly tongue in cheek saying this is an album that's going to convert atheists and things like that but to me this is a, about as appealing to an atheist as going to mass on the sunday um I have no interest in, in that so I I don't have as much interest in in kind of this kind of this worship um
3: I think I just love the trumpets as well like I'm a <laughs> sucker for this kind of aesthetic as well so I just sink into it um, I just let it wash over me, and I do like the way he puts raps together. So it worked for me on that level. Uh, well, See, okay, I, I'm
2: not, I'm not even sure that the social the social um, excuse me, his band name the the social experiments. Oh, the experiment. yeah, yeah. are even that particularly talented as, as a band. Uh, say that the arrangements are very very cluttered in this. It just it didn't really do anything for me, and 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 to say like even one of my songs on it is Angels, which is one of the most overtly positively Christian songs on it, but it's just uh, it's 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 much more lighter, breezier, yeah. poppy kind of song, um, which kind of washes over your, your ear quite nice. How do we
1: feel about the use of featured artists? Who kind of comes out well here and who doesn't?
2: Uh, the best uh, a verse on it is probably Lil Yachty, which... Yeah, I, she's very
3: strong, yeah. He, which is very surprising
1: considering that Kylie Jenner thing that he was involved oh, with. And he's,
2: he's got this kind of real Chicago kind of drill sound, which is, is the complete inverse, I guess, of Chance's yeah. version of, the, of his kind of Chicago sound. Uh, Young Thug is obviously good on it you know, juke Jam with Justin Bieber, that's a much better sound for Bieber than the kind of the Skrillex joints. When I first heard it, actually, I thought, yeah, somebody needs to cut, well, maybe not R. Kelly because he's terrible, but (laughs) whoever (laughs) else was related to that song, Feeling on Your Booty, that that R. (laughs) Kelly did, needs to get paid because this is a complete appropriation of that song. But (laughs) from what I've read, apparently it's a legitimate uh, take on on the song because it's it's, it's almost identical. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of a 90s throwback R&B song. So, I think I think yeah. B- Bieber next album stick stick with that throwback. You know, nineties R and B was amazing. So uh,
1: yeah, you could work well, on and when Bieber's next album comes out, we will definitely be lining up to review on this. But as for Coloring Book by Chance, the rapper, round the table out of ten, Craig.
3: See, I'd be verging on an eight, verging, you know, in between a seven and an eight. It's big,
2: it's big talk, big Dean. Talk. I've probably trashed it too badly because <laughs> just because the uh, the the. the, the the reaction has been so overwhelming it's probably like a six uh like it's yeah it's like a six out of ten it's fine no masterpiece it's 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 nice to listen to in in parts um it's got it's got so many nice like great ideas i think it's just so little of those great good ideas get get pulled together on too few of the songs um and it's just it's just not particularly interesting album to listen to uh, I'm going
3: 5.5 5. <laughs> oh 5.5 5 is ridiculous is it I'll get back to you in two years and see if I'm still listening to it 5.8 <laughs> po- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I'm, I'm just
1: I'm just very very disappointed by it I mean just to clarify like, earlier on when I was saying I don't find it very interesting it's more so I don't find it very interesting on this record I'm very disappointed by it I expected a lot from it and ultimately I got a very plain kind of a bag of ready salted crisps I don't fucking know like it's, it's okay it's grand
3: listen guys you're going to hell <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, is, was there anything this week that we did enjoy new or old? Craig? Uh, I tried to get into Grime for the first time in my life <laughs> with Skeptic's new record, Kanichiwa, which the title kind of worried me straight away. Uh, I just can't do it. I think there's certain bass frequencies in Grime that don't quite work for me. Um, I can see why this is getting good reviews if you're into that scene. And I think it's interesting that he's come back from the brink or even beyond the brink where he was just doing very commercial poppy stuff which most people in grime had to do just to get some singles and make a living now it's having a resurgence a real kind of renaissance creatively apparently if you're into that scene um so this is kind of his definitive statement thus far And there's some nice things on it but there's just too many interludes with people talking about like how tough it is with the pressure through like mobile phones doesn't really work um there's a couple of bangers He's been endorsed by Drake. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not going to get into <laughs> You're it. You're struggling into this <laughs> review. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I can see how it can work for other people. But is not for me. I've yet to get to the Skeptic
1: Record, but a lot of people are saying it's great, so I will give it a go. Uh, Dean, what have you been listening to?
2: Uh, I've been listening to Big Bossin Volume 1 by Ed Payroll Giovanni and the producer Cardo Got Wings. So Payroll Giovanni, he's this Detroit rapper, um, but you wouldn't know it from this album because even the if you look at the album artwork, which I'm going to show the table, uh, it's very. This is a very like West Coast, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of sound. It takes a little bit from California, but it takes a lot from San Francisco. Um, basically, if if I think if Mac Dre was still with us, he'd definitely be smiling at this album. Um, so Carter got wings, does all the beats, and they're very they're very that that kind of really throwback um almost they're almost kind of like a a light kind of g funk sound maybe without some of the howling kind of sense on, on 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 that but it's um it's it's just it's cocaine selling music at it its absolute best. <laughs> it's if if you uh if you want to stick your ear right back in the mud after listening to to chance's um kind of cleansing yeah, gospel, yeah, yeah. then this is the album for you to go to um carol giovanni he's a very he's kind of a he's kind of a very mid-paced rapper um he's a little bit like too short actually except he's a lot less interested in sex <laughs> a lot more interested in making money and selling drugs <laughs> uh, but uh it's probably a touch too long as a lot of albums are it's 18 tracks uh they're all most of them cover the same subject matter and they're all from the same producer so um you probably could have s- cut off a few but it's a really really strong effort um Probably my top five albums of the year so far. Oh, yeah. So, and Check that's something you might not come across. So, it's uh, yeah, Big Boston Volume 1. Nope. And hope, hopefully that indicates that there will be a volume two. <laughs> uh, well, if you're looking for brevity, uh, Wolf Parade are back with a new EP,
1: EP4, the very imaginatively titled uh, 12 Minutes of Music, four tracks, Wolf Parade are a band near and dear to my heart. They had three records before they called it a day or at least a long-term hiatus, led by Spencer Krug and Dan Bachner, who both have lots of side projects, including Sunset In and Handsome Furs, the latter of which I'm particularly fond of. Um, they made a record called Apologies to the Queen Mary in 2005, and it's an absolute masterpiece it has the song I'll Believe in Anything which is legitimately in my top three songs of all time it's a perfect perfect song that evokes so much emotion it's incredible the EP uh, that they kind of came out of nowhere they're playing Body and Soul this year so people kind of are expecting new material it's fine kind of like brand new like you know it's it's nice to have them back it's not going to change your life or anything Um the tracks are fairly immediate the 12 minutes are over before you know it but there's nothing here that's going to change the world but again like I say it's nice to hear from them one more time so that's uh, EP4 uh, by Wolf Parade. I was
2: surprised how much I liked this because okay. uh, when you said we were going to talk about it, because I remember Wolf Parade coming around in like the mid 90s mm-hmm. and thinking, this is just, this is just another screechy voice <laughs> uh, in the band uh, that they, they were a dime a dozen back in the mid 90s. I think like you had to kind of clap your hands, say yeah, and a bunch of bands, and I, I didn't get into them at all. I listened to this, and these are like really, really great kind of. Guitar pop songs with great engines on yeah, them. Yeah, they're fast. Um, they kind of like they hit you. They're good. Uh, Sailor V Way is is a super song. Um, so yeah. I, I well, there we go. If you reach one person, <laughs> 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 I, I, I am EP four. I am going to retrospectively check out EPs one through three. Excellent, man. Excellent. Uh, well, listen,
1: that brings us to the end of the podcast, and uh, I want to say a huge, huge thank you to Dean for coming in today. And stepping into the intimidating shoes of Colin Morrigan, who will return. We hope Dean will return again soon. You can get him on Twitter at Dean Van Nguyen. And like I say, I would recommend looking up his body of work. It's exceptional. Thank you so much, Dean. Oh, thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) He's so modest. Uh, Craig, I guess it's nice to see you again. Yeah, you too, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah. I'm it's glad great. I'm, I'm glad You talk
3: about my exceptional stuff, do you? <laughs> it's
1: pretty good. You're all news talk business stuff now. I, I know. Yeah, I, can't, I'm I, very I, serious. I can't hang in that world. Uh, Craig's on Twitter as well. At uh, Craigie Slane. Follow yeah. him. I'm at Hanredy Dave. Follow me. Why not? Uh, this has been No Encore. Uh, there will be No Encore. And as always, we will exit with a piece of new Irish music. Um, as I said before numerous times, if you want to hear yourself on this show, drop me an email to music@headstuff.org. And if you do wind up appearing on this very show, you'll also wind up on our brand spanking new Spotify playlist, the No Encore playlist, which you can find on Spotify. If we mention a song on the episode that we think is good enough to go in there, it goes on the playlist, updated weekly. As a matter of fact, I've kind of been a bit slack there, and I put that stupid Manic Street Preachers one in, so I'm going to get rid of that one, because it's terrible. But if it's good... That's where you'll find it. Spotify, no encore. Get involved. To play us out this week, we have a band called Lavelle, a three-piece double-based indie band with lyrically-driven, melodic rock tunes laboured with a gravelly lead vocal and a strong piano component. This is Hold On. It's their debut single, which they launched on the 1st of May with a packed gig at the Gypsy Rose. One to keep an eye on. This is Hold On by Lavelle. Thank you very much. Take care.
0: I've been working to save someone else's soul. Held down, I've been held down. I've got to let it go. I've got to let it go. I've been seeing the words that I just can't.